0: Welcome to part two of Arcadis' 2022 International Women's Day Leadership Podcast Series, where we are focused on breaking the bias and women and girls leading the charge on climate change adaptation. In the future, I'm Donna Adamo, Sales Enablement Director, Communications Coach here at Arcadis. And joining me now are two amazing guests. Can't wait to get started. Supriya Murthy, Transformation Leader at Arcadis and Chair for Virginia's AWWA, which is the American Waterworks Association Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. And Dr. Anna Lalaway, Climate Scientist and Sustainability Advisor at Arcadis. Dr. Lalaway is also the founder of the nonprofit organization Saratoga Shredders, a 501c3 aiming to remove economic and transportation barriers for girls so they can enter the sport of mountain biking. More on that in a little bit. But before we begin to unpack, uh, Supri, I'd like to start with you. Tell us what we want to know about you.
1: Hi, Donna. Hi, everyone. I like to think of myself as an influencer and change maker who creates the energy around me, the energy of excellence in all communities and project teams that I'm part of. And I believe that that's a gift that we can give to our teams. I'm a member of the Consulting Advisory Board at the College of William & Mary. I do that in my free time, and I use that as an opportunity to learn as well as to shape the curriculum of the consulting electives for the MBA students and for the MBA courses. And as part of this, I'm part of various mentoring circles, supporting the students get ready for stepping into the workforce. And I do this at a elementary and a middle school level as well as part of my theater startup. Uh, I work with the kids to develop their digital project management confidence, as well as public speaking skills. But what I have most fun with is I'm a mom of 12 year old twin girls. So I uh, face the blunt force uh, of twin angst on a daily basis at home. And I'm constantly uh, gearing up with all the cool tools that are out there to stay relevant with that contingent. And I'm a proud mom and momfluencer uh, of my Red Fox Lab, Simba, who has his own Instagram account. So I'm studying everything that there is to study about social media algorithms.
0: Well I don't know how you follow that up Dr. Anna Lalaway but I know you will tell us a little bit about yourself
2: Thanks, Donna. Thanks, Supriya. Yeah, I, I feel like I kind of wear three different hats on a daily basis, and I think that you both can probably attest to, to that sort of a thing. But I am a, a mom of uh, two daughters as well, not twins, but they are nine and almost twelve years old, so fourth and sixth grade. And then I'm a scientist here at Arcadis. I have a PhD in geology from Cambridge in the UK, and I've been able to use that technical background to help our clients to achieve their sustainability goals. And been able to work in a few different market sectors to to help those clients. So so the food and beverage sector, the renewable energy sector, and then most recently in the financial sector. So that's been a a really nice thing at Arcadis to have that opportunity to work in different sectors to help our clients. And then prior to Arcadis, I worked in uh, climate change science in the polar regions. So I was working in the Arctic and the Antarctic, collecting rocks for climate change research, which as you can imagine, geology is a a very male-dominated field, and even more so when you're doing field work uh, in the Arctic and the Antarctic. So, we can speak about that. But I've kind of had to navigate and carve a bit of a new path for girls and women in the field of geology, and especially in the, the polar regions, with things as simple as clothing choice. Right, the only choice we were given was male-sized clothes for working in the field. So, having changed the bar a little bit for for women in the field that way. And then the third hat is my athlete hat, and that's my uh, major sport in college was ultimate frisbee, where I was lucky enough to become national champion here in the US and then played on the women's national team in the UK. But when I first arrived in the UK, there were no women playing at all. So I I captained and coached the boys and men's teams at Cambridge and then spent about four years building the women's scene to where there were about 30 women's teams in the UK when I left, when I left England. So that was really fun to be part of the development of that sport. And then in most recent years, I started mountain Biking and racing at a high level. And then when I went back to work full time at Arcadis, I started this nonprofit organization that Donna uh, spoke to, which gets girls and women into the sport of mountain biking at a young age. So I've always loved how sports and science have gone hand in hand in my life. And I seem to enjoy those sports that get me into the woods and bring a lot of adventure into my life and my children's lives. And then innately, that brings science into our lives as well.
0: So. Well, thank you both. So I want to start with you, Supriya, and I want to talk about, you know, there's the right brain, there's the left brain. So you really straddle the fence very nicely when it comes to having the leadership qualities of sitting at a table, often in the past defined by men, and now raising young daughters to be strong, impactful women. When did you realize that math and science and working in STEM was really going to be a passion for you?
1: That's a great question, Donna. I've always wanted to solve problems, and the problems grew in scale larger and larger as I began to tackle, you know, from college to uh, my first job at Hewlett-Packard to uh, my MBA program at College of William & Mary or to my pro bono work that I did when I had my babies. And then when I started at Arcadis, right? And I naturally knew that uh, STEM The combination of analytical thinking as well as the ability to connect the dots uh, and the ability to use your left brain and your right brain in order to use your technical skills. And, you know, almost be that T-shaped employee where you have technical skills and you're able to go across the different functional expertise and technical expertise that you have to be able to create a cohesive solution for your clients or a solution for the community or for any contingent that you're working for, it becomes so much more important. And you can't Uh, succeed without a beautiful, harmonious combination between the two. So I guess it it, it started to happen when I began to come into myself in my mid-20s, and it just, you know, became something I leaned into. Really do your homework, really know where your technical strengths are and technical opportunities to develop and improve are, and then just read up and ensure that you're leaving nothing to chance and and nothing to uh, somebody else, right? You are taking it upon yourself, putting yourself on the hook to actually provide that combination of technical and leadership insight to your clients or to your uh, communities that you're serving.
0: You impressed me, Supriya, years ago when I asked you a question about digitalization, and you explained it in a way that I just think a wide swath of people on many levels can understand. I want to switch over to you, Anna, and talk to you about, first of all, Antarctica, stones, why are stones important? I know you didn't expect that question, but I can't leave it unanswered. Why was that important for either climate change or sustainability? What's the key there? Sure.
2: Yeah, so a geology the uh, kind of motto of geology is the past is the key to the future. So if we can understand a little bit about the rock record from the past, whether that's an annual record from the last couple hundred years, or if it's millions of years ago, we can further understand how that applies to our future climates changing. So the work that I was working on in Antarctica was specifically looking at a period of time, which was the last time we had high CO2 concentrations and high temperatures like we're about to have in the next 50 to 100 years. So even though those weren't human-induced changes, if we could understand what happened when those changes occurred— then we can plug that information into these forward-looking climate models. Many climate models have a lot of assumptions built into them right now. So if we can ground truth those climate models by plugging in actual data from the past time that we had similar conditions, then those climate models will be much more accurate and further constrained in the future. So my job was to be the, um, the field scientist and the geologist looking at the glacial sediments from that time period. So I was collecting rocks on a daily basis. I was camping in a tent for one to three months at a time. And every day I was collecting the glacial sediments from the neogene time period. And there are fossils embedded in those rocks. And if we can extract the data from those fossils, we know almost the exact temperatures of what the ocean was during that time period and what the uh, organisms were like. And so it's it's almost a paleothermometer in time by taking out those fossils from those rocks. So rocks are very, very important. (laughs) Now
0: we know. So Supriya, draw a bridge for us data, digitalization, sustainability, climate change, like rocks in Antarctica, we are now having new and different conversations. Companies need to, and women are involved in these conversations. Tell me what you're seeing at your high level and what you're seeing with clients.
1: Absolutely. Our clients are extremely tuned into how climate change impacts their strategies their stance as a company, and their organization, and how they are structuring for success in the organization, given all the changes that they are seeing in the world around them. Their consumer base, their mindsets are shifting too, and they become extremely conscious about how the world is changing, what climate change is doing to the environment around them. They are getting conscious about what they buy, what they eat, um, you know, sustainable supply chain, how workers are treated in the supply chain, how equitable, diverse and inclusive the workforce are, not only in the organization that they work for, but also in the organizations that they procure from. So there's an extremely high consciousness in our client base about sustainability, about climate change. And sustainability includes, yes, the environmental aspect Absolutely. But also the social and the governance aspect. And that's what also a lot of our uh, employees, as well as our clients, are beginning to consciously care about and action. So with this awareness and with this dialing up of the temperature, pun intended, right, there is an active action that people are taking to organize around that, right? So they're having chief sustainability officers, chief diversity officers, inclusion officers. There are commitments and actionables associated with sustainability, whether it's environmental, whether it is social. And then there are, of course, the governance frameworks on how do the roles change? How do the jobs change? How do what I do on a daily basis change? So when it comes back to data and digitalization, I think that is the key fundamental lever that we can pull in order to become not only more sustainable as an organization, because the more data you have, the more insight you have, the more intelligence you get, you stop looking back into just sense and respond. You start looking forward to what Anna was saying into being able to create insight into having foresight. And that makes you a learning organization. And that takes you away from doing manual work and to the journey of digitization and intelligent systems and smart buildings and a smart, connected, capable workforce. So, if all these things are changing in the world around us, it behooves us as a company to respond to those changes. And I love that we have tuned into that, and we have actively begun to work within the organization to make those changes happen at a systemic level, at um, team level,
0: as well as at a project level, right? And I'm really excited to see that change come to life, Donna. And we're doing it right here at Arcadis. So Anna, let me ask you, we're living longer. We are more connected than ever. This has got to change the narrative and the science that you're seeing with clients and maybe how you approach solving problems. Can you share an example that has helped sustainability program with a client or climate change program with a client? Absolutely. Yeah, I can speak to the renewable
2: energy sector a little bit there. Um, in that, my my geotechnical and, and geology background suits itself for helping clients in that regard. We have clients that have large wind farms across the country, and every ten to fifteen years, those clients are are needing to change out the large components on top of the tower. So the the blades, the nacelle units, everything that's at top at the top of the tower. So we at Arcadis are going to those sites and assessing whether the access roads and the existing paths that have been there for 10 to 15 years will still sustain the uh, vehicles and such that are needed to go back and forth to change out those components. So we're providing the technical support for the client to achieve their larger sustainability goals of renewable energy in that, in that regard. So it's using our technical expertise um, as well as our broader understanding of renewable
0: energy and what our clients need to attain those those goals. Very interesting. So I want to segue a little bit now into diversity and inclusion. What are your conversations like at dinner with your daughters? The the future of tomorrow? Because Supriya, you sit at a pretty big table uh, at Arcadis. You're very well respected. You too, Anna. So like what do you talk about? How do you impact your own daughters as we're taking a leap into the future of our future leaders? Supriya?
1: That's a very nice question, Donna, actually. And The fact that I'm able to sit at those big tables at Arcadis, I consider that as a privilege. And therefore, I want to pay it forward by having right conversations and high value and high-quality conversations in the communities that I'm part of. And that includes at home. My daughters are 12, and I'm really surprised at the maturity with which they are handling diversity and inclusion in their schools, in their communities. So On any typical day, the conversation could involve, whether at dinner or whether I'm driving them to some of their after-school events, about their friends feeling included as part of the community, about their friends' gender identities, about their friends coming out, about their friends finding safe haven or safe harbor amongst friend communities in the school, as well as within their own homes. And there is a lot of things that my daughters have taught me that I have gone up and looked up so that I'm having a more socially aware stance about certain things that we never knew while we were growing up or we never really tuned into while we were growing up because that was not normalized, whether it is body image, whether it's mental health, whether it is um, the stigma associated with having a certain gender identity or having a certain neurodiversity and how to make that acceptable and mainstream and normative. And I think it behooves us as parents, as part of uh, being part of the school communities, as leaders, as being part of project teams, as being part of large organizations, as well as being part of the nonprofit that I am, uh, AWWA, how can we elevate this conversation? How can we change this dinner table conversation into something larger, something more actionable? How can we put ourselves on the hook to be more compassionate, to increase awareness, to increase the education, as well as to provide that support to our own kids? So here's the thing I told my daughters. Anytime you feel like your friends need allyship or safe haven or safe harbor, let them know that we are available. And you know, we can come and talk to your teachers about it, or we can come and talk to, you know. Their parents about it, just know that we have that support system available here at home. So it's so important for us to not only become socially aware and educated, but also to extend that arm um, to our own kids.
0: Well, I want to sit at that table because there's a lot of empathy going on there. Anna, what do you talk about at your kitchen table? That was just what I was going to say, Donna. I would love to sit at your table, Supreme. <laughs> um, well, you're both
2: welcome. You- Oh, thank you um yeah so and and i i will share a conversation that we had just last night at dinner because it, it's it's very relevant to this conversation in a sustainability perspective in a way i I have always found myself as a bit of an eco-warrior compared to most in my particular community. And uh, this example was um, every year for both my girls, when they have their Valentine's or holiday Thanksgiving parties, I provide cloth napkins and reusable plates and cups and silverware for the class. And when I first started doing this, when Anne-Sophie, my eldest, was in kindergarten, the teachers were quite you know, surprised by it, grateful, of course, but surprised by it. And I've found through the years that there are they're certainly just as grateful, but they're less surprised by it because I think that it's much more part of our everyday lives, right? In that not only have I been kind of forcing my my own eco-warriorism into the school, right? So they're more aware of of that in terms of those, those reusable napkins being available to them every holiday, but the children are being educated a little bit more in that regard. So that's very healthy from my perspective to see that change just in the last few years. And then from another perspective, we often are talking about girls and women in sports. It's just our lives kind of revolve around that a little bit here. And we've been so much a part of the moving that bar a little bit for women in this particular sport, even though it is quite a fringe sport, um, that it's very much a part of the conversation, right? And they'll have um, boys ask them or we'll have parents ask me, you know, why aren't there boys involved in your nonprofit organization? And and those are very valuable conversations to have with my own daughters that absolutely there are programs for boys, but how do we level up and make sure that all uh, everyone has the same
0: opportunities across the board for sports and STEM? Inclusivity, so, so important. Supri. I wanna ask you just a couple of quick questions. Stem, what can we do as parents to get our fifth-grader, seventh-grader, five-year-old interested in math and science when we ourselves may not be good at it? Thoughts? Yeah, curiosity
1: right curiosity access to resources connection to community so you can take your five-year-old to the museum and get them to become curious about you know uh, the living organisms over there or take them to the zoo or take them to the science fair um, get them to do experiments you know or tap into the network that you have so during the pandemic um you know I was really worried about the girls missing out on social and intellectual interaction so I hosted a debate club I also hosted a online cooking classes. uh, And the girls cooked something and posted it on YouTube. And they started doing online book clubs. They started taking online science classes. And of course, you can also give them assignments. I'm planning to have the girls intern with me over the summer to, you know, develop sustainability moments that I can use in different meetings or work on some PowerPoint presentations for me on certain particular topics. Um, So there is a lot of ways in which even though you know, you are not necessarily a technical expert. You can get your kids to become curious and, you know, tap into that innate curiosity by keeping on challenging. And of course, with 12-year-olds, it becomes a little bit more of a challenge than it was with five-year-olds.
0: So uh, you're going to have to be creative on that front. And I want to follow up with a question before I go over to Anna. You know, TikTok is just this big social media platform right now. And if you don't know what it is. I encourage people to spend five minutes on it because there are a lot of great experts on it, and a lot of famous people on it, and there's a lot to learn about it. What are your thoughts on social media? Is there a social media learning moment with your own twin daughters?
1: Yep, I am on the fence about TikTok still. Right, I believe in the power of the platform. I believe that it can really offer you a great tool for going viral with your messages and i respect that as a data person uh, but i also believe that some of the algorithms that tiktok and other media like that are curating will lead to uh, unnecessary propagation of messages to impressionable minds especially as they are going through their own stress and angst of teenage and tween age so what does that lead to body image issues mental health issues um, and you know so on and so forth So my daughters and I were having a debate about TikTok and the way the algorithm is designed. So I've given them a challenge to actually go and research what the algorithm does. And my daughter was really passionate about making feminine hygiene products available freely in all bathrooms, whether it was a Starbucks or whether it was a school or whatnot. So I said, why don't you find out how you can use TikTok to actually make this message go viral? So I think they have an assignment to work on this weekend, Donna.
0: And they already know the algorithms, like they probably knew a little more than you, do you think? Yeah, I'll I'll come back to you with what they find out. Anna. if there's any thought that you would like to leave us with about climate change, sustainability, International Women's Day, breaking the bias, how impactful will women be Regarding sustainability, um, I think that we can do so much on a on a local scale, right, in our own homes,
2: in those dinner time conversations that we're having with our children. And I, I found with my career going from academia, where I was furthering climate science, but it, these papers were written up in fairly obscure journals, that then moving from academia into corporate America, where I could really make an impact on a larger scale. And so I think women in, and girls in science really have so much future um, in corporate America and being able to move that bar for sustainability moving forward.
0: And it's exciting to think about. Supriya, what are your thoughts? I'd like to actually take what Anna just said and build on that.
1: If you think about the amount of effort that we're going to have to put as a collective to actually land the impact that we want to make to get to net zero, right? Or to get to our climate change ambition as an organization, as a world, as a community, there is a huge amount of work that needs to be done. And I'm sure you've heard from others that... The journey that we are on is transformative. And for that transformation to actually happen, it requires change agents. It requires influencers. And women are naturally extremely good at driving that change. They lead with empathy. They lead with curiosity. They take accountability. They make things happen. So I think we can really lean into that gift that we have as women As people who care about the world around us, not just because, you know, it's cool or it's the latest trending thing, but because we want to leave a better place for our children and for our grandchildren and for our pets. Right. So I think we can really lean into that empathy and combine that with our technical skills, our management skills, our leadership skills and go make change happen.
0: Well, our mind shift is happening. You are both leaders in this, and you're part of that change. And I want to thank you both, Supriya Murthy, Transformation Leader at Arcadis, and Dr. Anna Lalaway, Climate Scientist and Sustainability Advisor at Arcadis. Thank you both for your time. Donna, thank, you, thank you, Donna. We want to thank you for listening and joining us as we celebrate women's goals and achievements on the international stage, recognizing how far we've come and where We're headed.